Come on, let's everybody clap our hands to the Lord. And why don't we add our mouths to that and shout unto Him with a great shout of triumph right now. Come on, would you lift your voice and shout unto Him. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Amen. What an incredible honor it is of mine to be here tonight. Give honor to your great pastor, Brother Shoemake, his family, and my admiration for him has just continually grown. And I'm very honored that he would entrust me to stand in this pulpit tonight. And I love him and I thank him for that and I honor him. I don't remember if I said this last year or not. It really doesn't matter if I did or if I didn't. It bears repetition if I did. But as a much younger man, I used to believe that there were strong churches and that they would just inherently stay strong. But I've learned through the years that there are not strong churches. There's only strong leadership. Because I have observed churches that I once upon a time thought were strong churches change leadership churches follow leadership you are blessed tonight to have consistently strong leadership and that's why we're blessed with the presence of the lord that we enjoy here tonight amen so i give honor to the pastor to his uh, parents the elder shoemakes god bless them such a privilege to meet them i am blessed tonight Brother and Sister Young, people that I love dearly, honored to have them here tonight. God bless them. Amen. I'm also very happy to have my son Aaron with me tonight. I love him dearly. I'm happy he is here. I enjoyed the fellowship. I enjoyed the presence of God. I enjoyed being here with you so very much last year. But the fellowship of the wonderful men of God that uh, are here and passing through. And I just wanted my son to be here. These are the kind of men that I want to influence my son. And I wanted him to rub shoulders with this church and the men of God that I knew would be here. So I'm very happy to have him. If you have a Bible, I want to go to the Word of the Lord, Luke chapter 3. If you have a Bible, again, thank you, Brother Shoemake. Great honor to be here. I give honor to all the other men of God that are here. I, I regret we did our very best to be here last night and uh, blame American for us not being here because I certainly am. And uh, that's the reason we were not here. But the word of the Lord so rich today. Never in my wildest imagination did I ever imagine that I would share a platform and a pulpit with Brother Larry Booker. And if I had my druthers tonight, I'd go sit down and listen. I love Brother Booker, and I say that with all humility and sincerity. He is a hero of the faith to me. And I respect him and thank God for him very highly. Very highly. And I know that he has impacted your life as he has mine. And then my new friend that I met last year, Brother Buxton, enjoyed the word of the Lord so very, very much today. Well, when I was here last year, I felt the word of the Lord so strongly for this church. The word transition, God had just put so forcibly into my spirit. And I felt then that this church was in a time of transition spiritually. God taking you to different places, 
And I feel that so strongly again this year. This is probably part two to last year because there is a process to that transition. Many people would love to go from Jacob to Israel, but I am afraid that many of them do not survive the process of going from Jacob to Israel. It is my great desire tonight that God will speak to all of us because I, I feel so strongly, Brother Shoemake, that God has destined this church. There are specific prayers that you are destined of God to pray. I say that very carefully. There are specific kingdom prayers that you are destined of God to pray. You will never be able to pray them until you've allowed God to position you to pray those prayers. If you will allow Him, He will position you. And you will pray with great fervency, with great passion, and with great intensity. And you will not pray your prayers, but you will pray His prayers. And His kingdom will prosper, and His kingdom will grow as you pray in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Luke, the third chapter, if you look there with us tonight. Luke chapter 3 and verse 21. And when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying. Everybody say, in praying. And praying, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And the voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, and thee I am well pleased. I understand it correctly. Luke is the only gospel writer who records that the baptism of Jesus, he not only was baptized, but he was in prayer. Prayer. I want to go back to Genesis 32. I apologize to our multimedia folks. I did not put this one on the list. Genesis chapter 32 and verse number 24. I also want to read before you're seated. Genesis 32 and verse 24. I love this. Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Alone, and yet a man wrestles with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. He said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. You now have power with God and men, but you have it because you prevailed in prayer. The Amplified Version of that same Scripture says, For you have contended, and now you have power with God and with men, and have prevailed. Jacob had a change of name, character, nature, because he prevailed prayer. By the help of the Lord tonight, and I surely pray, that I can give to you what I believe the Lord has given to me. I want to minister to you upon this thought, positioned to prevail in prayer. I want to tell somebody in the Holy Ghost right now, you are not being positioned to fail. 
you're in position to prevail. It feels like you're not going to make it. You hear me in the Holy Ghost right now. It feels like you're going to fail. But God has to position you there so that you can pray with a proper intensity and fervency so that you can prevail in prayer. Would you lift your voice and let's pray and ask the Lord to talk to us tonight, would you? Come on, let's genuinely pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your voice and let's pray and cry out to Him. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, open your spirit, open your heart to Him. Come on, I feel the destiny of God on this congregation right now. Would you lift your voice to Him? Oh, come on. Would you open your spirit to him right now? Would you lift your voice and pray, God, talk to me tonight. You are not positioned for failure. You're positioned to prevail. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel something so significant in this house right now. You may be seated. Thank you, Brother Soundman or Sister Soundman, whatever the case may be. I'm one of those horrible preachers that likes lots of monitor, and I thank you for that. It's an amazing fact to me that you and I, we have the ability to make the house of God into something other than God ever intended it to be. When he came to the temple and he noticed the changers, the money changers, the commerce, he made a statement to them that amazes me to this day. As he was driving them out, he said, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of of thieves, implying that the people of God have the ability to make the house of God something that God never intended it to be. I thank God that I am in a spiritual environment tonight. This house is destined of God to be a house of prayer. A place of spiritual commerce where God and man meet together and man is never the same again. Redemption flows in the house of God. The power of God, the authority of the name of Jesus. I thank God that liberty and deliverance and healing abound in this house but I pray and I didn't come to preach this tonight God forbid that we ever make it anything except a house of prayer it is ordained of God to be a house of prayer prayer my opinion has been a part of man's makeup since his creation Genesis 3 and verse 8 the amplified if you have it 
reads, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I understand it right. We are first introduced to what we call prayer in this setting. There was a sound. Prayer is vocal. It is verbal. It is communication. Not only your heart, your mind, or your thinking, but it is a communication with God. The voice walked in the garden, implying an ease of pace, steady, progressive, walking in a garden. I love it. God did not beckon Adam and Eve to where he was, but God said prayer is God coming to where you are. You live in a garden, therefore I will come to where you are. May I say for a moment that wherever you are, you can talk to God. If you are struggling in a pig pen of sin, I make you a promise even there. You can talk to God and He will hear your cry and He will talk to you even there. He walked with them. He talked with them. It was the cool of the day implying prayer is pleasant. It's refreshing. It's beneficial. It is a pleasant, progressive walking with God. Prayer. Adam and Eve and God sharing, communicating, walking together. Somebody help me. What in the world did Adam and Eve have to talk to God about? They lived in paradise. They didn't have any backslidden children. They had no problems. They had no sickness. They had no stress. They had no nosy, pesky neighbors. They had no co-workers that thrived on getting under their skin. And yet, they walked with God. It sounds to me like they had nothing to pray about. Or rather, perhaps it sounds like prayer is more about me connecting with God than anything else. Oh, hallelujah. I believe Jesus provided the answer. John 17, verse 11. In his prayer, he said, And now I am no more in the world, but these disciples are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep. Through thine own name, those whom thou hast given me. Notice this, that they may be one as we are. Jesus' prayer for his disciples was for them to be one with God just as surely as the man Christ Jesus was. He repeats it again, verse 21 and verse 23. He is literally praying that they or we may become one and perfectly united with God. 
May I then present to you tonight that the pure goal of prayer is not for me to take my grocery list to God. It is not, oh God help me, for me to take you to God. It is not for me to take my complaint to God. It is not that my voice be heard on high. God help me. But prayer rather is that my attitude and my spirit and my nature and my character might become perfectly united with God. That I become one with God, therefore, to pray is to change. You cannot pray without changing. The pure goal of prayer is to be one. God help me with Him. This, I believe, demands a lifetime of prayer. Let me, let me, let me hasten on through this. Genesis 2 and 24, when God speaks about marriage, a man leaves father and mother, cleaves to his wife, and they become one flesh. Ephesians 5, it takes it further. Verse 31, Paul said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they two shall be one flesh. Flesh, this is a great mystery. And all the married folks said, Amen. It is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Marriage, I am destined, my, 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 to become united with my bride. And we, as it were, become one. And likewise, the church of the living God is destined of God as His pride to be perfectly united with the Almighty and become one in unison. Somebody lift your hands and cry out to Him right now. The goal of prayer, the goal of prayer, the purpose of prayer is that I... Become united perfectly with God. To exemplify this. Man, Christ Jesus did not just pray, but He lived a life of prayer. As our perfect example, He exemplified prayer. He did not just teach about prayer. He prayed. Now, now, think about that with me for a moment. Jesus prayed. It boggles my mind to imagine that he even needed to pray. If he's God, why would he pray? God help me. Pray about what? Pray for what reason? But yet we find Jesus prayed. If the Christ, the Son of God, that God robed or manifest in flesh, If he so desperately needed to pray, how much the more should I? If it demanded prayer for the man Christ Jesus to be perfectly one with the Almighty Spirit, how 
much the more. How much more should I pray? Stay with me now. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They each of them seem to have their own distinctive flavor in describing this one, Jesus Christ. Matthew seems to present him as the king. Mark seems to present him as the servant. It's Luke that presents him as the man or flesh, while John presents him as the son of God. But Luke, the physician, presents to us the man, Christ Jesus, God manifest in flesh. Hear me. How fitting it is that the gospel writer that presents Jesus as a man has the most to say about his prayer life and his teachings on prayer. Seven different occasions. Luke tells us about Jesus praying that the other gospels leave out. Seven different times we read about him praying specific prayers. Luke also records parables on prayer that are found nowhere else. Why? Why does Luke go to such great lengths as the one that presents to us the flesh, the man's side of this one called Jesus? Why go to such great lengths and tell us more about prayer than any other writer? I believe it's simply to exemplify man's utter dependence upon God as Amen. Jesus expressed his utter dependence upon God in prayer. He seems to imply that I have no choice. I must pray. As a man has flesh, we find that Jesus had to pray. May I humbly say, that you and I will never find the purpose of God if we fail to pray. If Jesus the Christ could not have ever made it without prayer, God forgive me for ever even imagining that I can survive without prayer. If I am not praying, I'm only fooling myself. I am... Are you hearing me? Are you with me? God forbid that I would make the house of God something that God never intended it to be. He intended this house and this house to be called the house of prayer. The house of prayer. Oh, I want to preach to you so desperately tonight. Prayer. We find that Jesus Christ accomplished His purpose only through prayer. Luke chapter 3, again our text. I don't know if we have the Amplified Version or not. If we do, I'm reading from the Amplified Version. Now when all the people were baptized, Jesus also had been baptized. And while He was still praying, the Amplified says, the heaven was opened. The Spirit descended upon Him in bodily form like a dove. 
And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my son, my beloved, and you I am well pleased, and I find delight. Now, if I get mixed up theologically, we got a lot of folks straightening it out, don't worry. But I don't believe that Jesus was baptized at Jordan for the remission or repentance of his sins. For he had none. And I also don't believe it was limited to just being an example for you and I. But here's what I believe. Rather, it was the man, the flesh, Christ Jesus, accepting and giving himself totally to his earthly ministry and purpose. When he went to the Jordan, oh God, when he went to the Jordan, oh no, no, God help me. When he went to the Jordan River, it was a 30-year-old man. That's why when he went into a wilderness to be tempted, every time Satan tempted him, he prefaced it with one word, if. Don't bother telling me that there was not a question, a wondering in the mind of a man. And that man comes to the Jordan and says, All right, God. If this is my purpose, and I willingly come to the Jordan, I let John baptize me and I accept and surrender to the purpose of God for my life. It was the surrendering of self, the giving of self to the purpose of God. The baptism was indicative of the purpose and the calling of God. I, I think I can prove it. Matthew 20, verse 22. Jesus answered and said, in reply to sons of thunder who wanted to sit on either side. He said, you don't know what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of? And to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. In referring to his calling and purpose he called it his baptism therefore at age 30 at a jordan river he is accepting his god given purpose but please remember he didn't just get wet in baptism but in that place we find him praying and he reached that Jordan to surrender. And I don't have time to preach that point. But I believe it was more traumatic than we comprehend. I believe it was more relevant and significant than I comprehend. As he stepped into that water, he was giving himself to a... Oh, hear me. He was giving himself to a purpose he could not control. He was giving himself to a life that he would lose control of. And it was only accomplished... By prayer, much prayer. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. Who in the days of his flesh as a man, uh, he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears. Unto him that was able to save him from death. And was heard in that he feared, please hear me, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. 
and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all that obey him. Now, stay with me. I know you must not have the Amplified. Please just take my word. I'm going to read it right. The Amplified just helps me understand it better. The Amplified version reads like this. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up definite, special petitions for that which he not only wanted, but needed. Hear me. Definite, special petitions that he needed. Supplication with strong crying and tears to him who was able to save him from death. He was heard because of his reverence toward God in that he shrank from the horrors of separation from the bright presence of the Father. There was one great fear that Jesus had. I don't ever want to be separated from the Father. I want to stay in unison and in oneness with God. Feared, shrank. Verse 8 says, although he were a son, he learned active, special obedience through what he suffered. And his completed experience, making him perfectly equipped, he became the author and the source of eternal salvation. Hear me. These are incredible scriptures attempting to open our understanding of just how much of a man he really was. Although a son, he learned. Everybody shout learned. He learned through what he suffered. I speak to you in the Holy Ghost. You are not positioned for failure. You are being positioned to prevail. He learned through his suffering. He learned. God have mercy. Verse 9 says his completed experience. There are no shortcuts. No fast forward button to push. You just have to walk with God daily. If I'm suffering, I'm walking with God. I must complete my journey. His completed experience making him perfectly equipped. Hear me. His experience equipped him completely. Hear me. It demanded multiple real life experiences to make Jesus completely equipped. Suffering, trial, heartache. He learned through what he suffered through what he experienced, may I interject, through what he endured, and it completed him. It, it made him. That's why the next verse says, hear me, verse 9, he became the author. Now, now, stay with me. If he became something, then that implies he was not something prior. 
I know we're skating on thin ice. He became, he became, although he were a son, he was not everything that he needed to be. These suffering experiences made him something he was not previously. These experiences of life were oh so very necessary to him becoming the author and the source of eternal salvation. This entire text implies seasons of growth and development and maturing and positioning that only come through his sufferings, his disappointments, the bitter denials. The rejections. Now hear me. I know. I know. I know. I know it refers to Calvary. But I believe you do that text a great injustice. If you limit it only to Calvary. I believe there were many. Oh my, 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 my. I don't have time to take you there, but Luke 22 seems to imply when he went to Gethsemane the last time, it was a habit of prayer. It was a place he was familiar with. It was not his first trip to Gethsemane. Cannot limit that text to Gethsemane and Calvary. Calvary, the battle's already won. He's committed to being our Savior prior to Calvary. Obviously, then it must include perhaps some, perhaps many painful suffering times in his life that were demanded and required to make him my Savior. How then did he accomplish this or survive this process of becoming? And I'm so happy you asked because that's what I want to give you the answer to. The Bible said in verse 7, it was through many definite, special petitions that with great necessity, with great fervency, he prayed definite prayers. He prayed special prayers, not for what he just wanted. God help me to preach right now. Prayer to him was not a candy stick. It was not licensed to a candy store. It was not telling God what I prefer. It was not telling God what I want. But it was a man being bruised and broken and hurt going to God and saying, God, if you don't help me, I will not survive. He prayed because he had no choice. He prayed because of what he needed, what he had to have. He prayed from the point of necessity and need, supplication with strong crying and tears. Obviously, this implies anguish and pain and bitterness, suffering to his very core, unpleasant, unfair, but oh, so necessary. These bitter, painful, suffering times uh, that were all a necessary part of his development were all met and matched by deep, long, agonizing prayer. That, my friend, is key. All of his sufferings, All of his experiences were carried to God in seasons of lonely, desperate, agonizing, gut-wrenching prayer. 
This type of prayer was not a quick, leisurely stroll, making God my request. It was not punching a clock saying, I put my hour in. Oh no, it was a grasping, clawing, necessary, pouring out of myself, of my flesh, of my will, anything contrary to God in order to stay one. In order to attain the purpose, prayer guaranteed his survival. In this process of evolving, in this process of changing, in this process of maturing, may I insert, of transition, of becoming our Savior, Jesus Christ had to suffer. He learned through what he suffered. But oh God, help me to preach right now. When he was confused, he prayed. When he was moaning and hurting like an animal, he prayed. When he was in bitter, painful circumstances, he prayed. When he was in stressful conditions, he prayed. When he was disappointed, he prayed. When he was disillusioned, he prayed. When he was tempted, he prayed. When he was offended, he prayed. When he was betrayed by his friend, he prayed. Why? Because he feared something more. He feared ever being separated from the presence of God. I don't know if I'm preaching this right. I pray to God I am. But I believe there were times that the man wanted to quit, give up, and become bitter, and become offended. I didn't sign up for this. I know we preach about Gethsemane sweat becoming great drops of blood from the intensity of prayer. But I am convinced that was not a one-time prayer meeting. He had many such prayer meetings. And they were not calm, quiet affairs. They were definite, specific, with strong crying and tears. And deep, agonizing, life-changing times of prayer. They were not beautiful poetry and pretty hymn book prayers. But they were sobbing and screaming and clawing and begging heart-wrenching prayers. And if that is what it took for Jesus the Christ, how much the more for me. God, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. He has to entrust me to walk in places I don't want to walk. He has to entrust me to open doors through which I do not have any desire to walk. He must allow me to suffer and to endure affliction and to be tried and tempted to the point that I wonder, will I even survive? I'm just being brutally transparent with you tonight. 
He must allow me to go there, not to deter me, not to destroy me, but to position me and to mold me and to shape me. The only way I'm preaching to somebody right now. The only way to survive the process is through strong, specific, desperate prayer. The only way to survive the process is through prayer. I wonder, oh God, I wonder, do you know what it's like to be in your prayer place totally alone, groaning like a wounded animal? Pounding the floor in absolute frustration. Weeping uncontrollably as your heart is ripped. I wonder if you know what it is to stagger into a prayer closet, a prayer room, when you're disappointed. God didn't do it like you thought He would. And when you get disappointed, you get disoriented. And familiar places lose their familiarity. God, I'm preaching to somebody and what you've always been able to count on, you can't seem to count on it anymore. And where you could always lean before, you can't lean now. And it feels like all the props have been kicked out from under you and you're disappointed and you're disoriented and you become this illusion. You stagger into a prayer place, hopeless, helpless. I never dreamed when you called me to preach, God, that I'd find myself in a prayer room feeling so low and thinking, God, this is what I thought you were going to do. And it didn't happen like I thought it You stagger into a prayer room, desperate, lonely, crying out to God, may I? Hurting, groaning, moaning, and yet determined. I will not die here. I will not lose it here. I don't know how He's going to do it, but I'm not dying here. I'm not dying in my dilemma, God. I don't know where in the world you are. Oh, I'm going to preach to somebody right now. I know what it is to go to God and say, God, as Job of old, though He slay me, yet will I trust in Him. Pray tell me when God has the sword at your throat, to whom do we go? Where do I turn? When it's God who has me down, I know what it is. I, God, all I know how to do is preach as I feel. My favorite room in our church, and we've been blessed with a beautiful place, but the sanctuary is not my favorite place. Favorite room in our church is what we call the men's prayer room. I don't know how many times I've walked in and shut the door and turned the lights off. There have been times, literally, Brother Shoemaker, I've just staggered through the door. And I've collapsed on my face and said, God, I don't know where you are. 
I don't understand what you're doing, God. I, I can't make two plus two equals four. I don't understand why are you ripping my heart out? Why are you forcing me into this crucible? Why are you forcing me into this fire? He doesn't answer. And He doesn't... doesn't deliver. He just expects me to keep walking and to keep praying. But He won't answer my prayer. But a golden, when He, when he positions us, I don't understand the position. I didn't, I didn't ask to walk through that. Did you hear a preacher in the Holy Ghost? He did not position you to fail. He positioned you to prevail. The man... Christ Jesus met every challenge we pray we pray we pray and so us I never felt God speak to me felt him speak to me about this service Jesus did his greatest work only when he prayed his greatest prayer. He did his greatest work when prayer cost him the most. God has to orchestrate circumstances to position us in order for us to pray his prayers. For the booker so ably touched it this morning, and I, I'm, I'm circling coming in for a landing. We find Jacob in a wrestling match alone, yet not alone. He's wrestling with an angel. Oh, it's just a sweet little prayer time. Not on your life. He's wrestling in prayer because he knows Esau is on the way. 400 armed men. And if I don't break through in prayer, I will die. You didn't hear me. If I do not prevail in prayer, I will die. I feel God positioning somebody. And if you don't prevail, you're going to die. But I speak to you in the Holy Ghost. You are not ordained to die, but you are ordained. My God, have mercy. Do prevail in prayer. You're not destined to die. You're destined to prevail. You're destined to prevail. You're destined to prevail. You're destined. Somebody lift your hands and lift your voice. I can't get away from you tonight, Brother Golden. You're not positioned to fail. You're positioned to prevail in prayer. Lift your voice and pray.
Uh, I feel the Holy Ghost challenging key individuals in this house. There's somebody here tonight, you're wrestling with God in prayer. Keep on wrestling. Keep on fighting. Keep on praying. Would you stand with me across the house, musicians, if you'll play softly? I feel like I need to say this as I close tonight. Jacob is wrestling with God just to survive. But God has a higher purpose. God positioned him to where he had no other hope but to hold on to God in prayer. All Jacob wanted was to survive. But God said, I got a nation called Israel that I'm going to form. It's got to come out of your loins, Jacob. But I can't do it, Jacob, until I change your nature and I change your character. And I change who you are from the inside out. And the only way I can change you, Jacob, is if I put you in a desperate position. And you have no hope but to hold on to me for the very breath of life. God, I feel like God's speaking to some. I feel like prophesying right now. God's positioned you to prevail in prayer. He has a higher purpose than you comprehend tonight. He's gone. God. It's more than your survival. It is the kingdom. Listen to me now. I promise I'll close with this. Hannah. I know Penina is a sore thorn in your flesh. I know you're barren because God did it. You're full of shame. You feel the pain of the provocation of Penina provoking you sore. She wept. Hear me, hear me. Please hear me. Literally, Hannah wept so much from the provocation of Penina that she could not even partake of the Passover. She prayed until literally her lips moved, but she had no more words. Have you ever been there? Where my lips move, but I have nothing else to say. My lips move, but I have no vocabulary. Because of such deep bitterness, travail of soul, until finally, Brother Booker, until finally in great desperation, she said, God! hurting so bad I've endured so much if you'll just give me a man child I will return him to you and God said Anna that's what I've been waiting for so may I ask you the question tonight Jacob are you wrestling with God or is God Wrestling with you. Anna, are you petitioning God or is God petitioning you? All you want is a man child. God says, but I got to have a priest slash 
prophet. But you can't produce him until I put you in such a desperate position that you can pray with such fervency. Prayers that you never dreamed would come out of my God have mercy. Kingdom prayers that would be much larger than you, bigger than your comprehension. I had to position you there not to fail, but to prevail. Would you close your eyes and lift your hands and your voice, Hannah? There's a Hannah in this room. You're going to give birth to something powerful in the kingdom of God. Come on, Jacob, my God, have mercy. You're key to the kingdom of God. We've got to have you. Keep on wrestling. Keep on praying. Come on, man of God, don't die where you are. Let prayer come up. He did not position you to fail. He positioned you to prevail. Come on, Hannah. I invite you to an altar. Come on, Jacob. I feel like somebody's just like Rebecca saying, God, if this is your blessing, why am I thus? Why am I hurting? Why am I desperate? You came here tonight looking for an answer. God's giving you an answer right now. First Church of San Jose, you are destined of God to pray phenomenal prayers. But you've got to let God position you so that you can pray with such fervency and intensity. The altar's open. Would you come?